0: Good morning, um, and uh, just welcome to all of you who who, uh, brave the snow and the cold uh, to be here uh, with us. Uh, As I left the house this morning, and it was in the teens, it was reminiscent of that climate that I have never longed to sort of return to uh, (laughs) since moving away from it. Um, And so I'm praying that it that it warms up soon uh, because. my skin and bones body type is not built for the cold. Um, this morning, uh, though, uh, since you were willing to, to brave the snow and the cold, you are rewarded uh, with an epistle lesson that is on the topic of speaking in tongues, which is not something that we often sort of venture into as Lutherans. Um, in terms of, of our approach to this whole idea of, of speaking in tongues, these great exaltations in a language that some believe is heavenly or uh, whatever the case may be, that's often something that Lutherans hear about and we simply just kind of think, well, um, just don't do it. If you don't do it, you don't have to worry about doing it wrongly. Now, our charismatic Pentecostal brothers and sisters in the faith, their approach is, is maybe a little bit different. Uh, where we think about this idea of speaking in tongues, and we simply say, just, just don't do it, just stay away, their approach is, is quite the opposite. Their approach is very much, well, the, the more the merrier, right? So the, the more people doing this, the better it will be. Now, as we read in First Corinthians fourteen and, and really throughout the scriptures, every time that Paul comes to this subject of, of speaking in tongues, speaking in languages that aren't readily understood by the people gathered around them. His word is, is not really don't do it. His word is not so much the more the merrier, but rather his word is essentially summed up with this idea proceed with caution. If you're going to do it, if it's going to be present in the gathered assembly, proceed with caution. Make sure it's done appropriately. Make sure that it can be understood. Make sure that there are people who can interpret. But this entire discussion of of speaking in tongues really leads into, I think, a more important matter for Paul. and, And a far more important matter for the entire church. And really it's this, this central question of how do we use the gifts that God has given us? How do we use the gifts that God has given us? Let us just return to, to 1 Corinthians 14 for just a moment. We started with, with verse 12 where Paul writes, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, sort of visible pres- visible." evidence that the Spirit is present. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So here this word comes after a much longer discussion on speaking in tongues. and Sort of the way that I would sum up that discussion and what Paul is addressing in the church here is that speaking in tongues had in the Corinthian church become sort of this like Spiritual Mr. Universe competition. Right? Where where you sort of stand up in the gathered assembly and you're there and you're sort of flexing your spiritual muscles and you're putting on display for everyone around you to see just how gifted you are. Right? And there's no more visible, no more recognizable manifestation of the spirits than this picture of, of speaking in tongues. And so as people would stand up and they would speak in tongues, these strange languages in the gathered assembly, it would cause others around them to go, oh wow, look at how holy so-and-so is. Look at how holy Karen is. Look at how holy Mo is. Oh my goodness, they speak in tongues. And so Paul addresses this and he says, since you're eager for these gifts, these manifestations of the Spirit... Strive to embody ones that don't build yourself up, that don't cause others to look at you and say, oh, look at how holy that person is, but rather strive to receive and strive to manifest those gifts that build up the church. That's why Paul continues in verse 13 saying this, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in, my, in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. So, what is Paul saying here? He is saying that tongues, this gift of, of speaking in these strange languages, who do they serve to build up? The speaker. So speaking in a tongue, it may be this great spiritual experience for the person who receives the gift, who receives this manifestation of the Spirit. It may serve for that person who's speaking to say, oh wow, God's Spirit does in fact rest on me. But without interpretation, what does it do for the people around you? Nothing. It doesn't build up. In fact, it may perhaps even tear down it may cause some gather there to wonder, why haven't I received that gift? Why can't I do what that person does? Oh, I must not have received the Spirit, or at least not the same amount of the Spirit. So Paul says again and again, and he says here, pray that you may interpret, so that it's not just you that's built up, but so that it's the whole church that is built up. Verse 16, he says, Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct than 10,000 words in a tongue. So Paul says you need to be conscious of those around you. There may be outsiders, there may be guests, there may be those who don't know every single thing that the church does or who don't have that understanding. I actually love here in this passage where it says outsider, the word there is actually the Greek word idiotes. It is the word that we get the word idiot from. Right? There may be idiots among you. Right? And in some places more than others. I don't, I don't know. But Paul's point here is there may be those around you who don't have the same level of understanding. They may not understand what this speaking in tongues is all about. They may not understand why this gift is being used or, or what it's all about. And so Paul says you need to be conscious of that. You need to recognize who is with you. You may need to recognize that there are some with you who don't have that same understanding. Right? Even here, when there's weeks where we may not have a guest with us in worship, we still have children. We still have different levels of understanding of the Christian faith. And so what do we need to be conscious of? We need to be striving to build those people up. To instruct them. To bring them to maturity in faith. People need instruction so that they understand, not just manifestation of gifts, but so that they understand the whole of Christ's teaching. So Paul concludes with this word. He says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature." Paul's call to the church is to strive for maturity in the faith. And what does maturity look like? Maturity looks like using what we have been given, not to build ourselves up, but to build the church up. To lift up one another, to instruct one another, to teach one another, to see that each and every one of us achieve maturity in the faith. To see that each and every one of us learn to use the gifts that God has given us each of us to build up Christ's church. Now, as far as I know, there's not a great deal of of debate or contest taking place at Lamb of God in how people are using their their gift of tongues in worship. (laughs) I could just be oblivious. Uh, If that's happening, I would like to be a part of that conversation, please. But I do think there are a couple of questions that this Texts should cause us to ask ourselves. And the first one is is simply this. What gifts has God given to you? What gifts has God given to you? What gifts do you have? And maybe it's gifts that you have that you don't even recognize or, or realize or understand could be put to use in the church. Maybe you have impeccable leadership skills. Skills that maybe you use in the workplace, but you've never thought to use in the church. Maybe you're good at at seeing where God is leading and causing others to follow in that direction. Or maybe you just have incredible organization and management skills. Maybe you recognize how, how to spin a lot of plates at the same time. Perhaps for you it's it's you're just great at building relationships. You're good at making people feel welcome. You're good at inviting people to events and things like that. Perhaps it's it's hospitality, it's it's financial gifts. Whether it's those gifts that that you possess or that those gifts of understanding the way money works, what are the gifts that you have been given? What has God given to you? And, and that, I think, is the first thing that we need to recognize. Is that these are all gifts from God. They belong to Him and they have been entrusted to us by Him. Over and over again, and you, as you see in the New Testament. Anytime this idea of gifts and spiritual gifts comes up, it often is phrased in the same way. And they are gifts of the Spirit. Meaning that these gifts, they belong to the Spirit. They don't belong to Marcus. They don't belong to Sue. They don't belong to any one person. They belong to the Spirit. And they've been given to us. And so they've been given to us, not for our purposes, but for God's. So what gifts have you been given? And how are you using them? How are you using those gifts, those skills, those abilities, those possessions that God has entrusted to you? Are you using them to build yourself up? To take care of yourself and your own well-being? Are you using them for your own glory? Are you using them ultimately to build yourself up? If that's how you're using the gifts that you have been given, if you're only using them for yourself, that is immaturity. Paul says that very plainly. That is immaturity in the faith. To use those gifts, to use those things that we've been given only for our own pride and our own glory and our own well-being is immaturity in the faith. And Paul calls us to strive for maturity. And what does that look like? looks like every single thing we've been given, from our money and our possessions to our teaching abilities or, or our speaking abilities, our leadership qualities, our, our understanding, all of it is being caught up into God's purposes. All of it is being caught up into the mission that God has given to the church. All of it is now aimed and focused at building up the church. And so the call that each and every one of us have in the faith is to discern the gifts that we've been given. To think about and reflect on what has God uniquely gifted me with? And how can I use it for the church? How can I use it to build up God's people? How can I use it to help lead us forward into the mission that we have been given? discern our gifts and use them for God's purposes. That is what maturity in the faith looks like. And that shouldn't come as, anything, as surprising to any of us. Because isn't one who uses everything that he has for the benefit of others the thing that is most central to our faith? The central teaching of our faith is that we have a God who, is, who has Everything. He is Lord, He is King over all creation, and even though He possesses and rules over everything, He uses it all, not for Himself, but for His people. We have a God who though He is holy, though He is above everything, He is almighty and all-powerful. He willingly entered into creation. He took on our flesh. He bore our sin on the cross so that we could be set free. We have a God who has used everything that He has to redeem us, to rescue us, to forgive us, and set us free. And now that we have been set free, we have been set free for a purpose. We have been set free by Christ, our Savior. So that we can use what we have, not for ourselves... Not to build up our own holiness or righteousness because we know that in Jesus we already have that. He has set us free so that we can use what he has given to build up the church. Uh, This weekend, uh, as we were covered in in snow, uh, I found myself uh, being begged by a little three-year-old girl to go into the cold that I hate. Here recently, she has been obsessed with the movie Frozen. And in the movie Frozen, there is this song called Do You Want to Build a Snowman? And her answer to that is Yes. And so, ever since she first saw the snow that so rarely falls on the ground and accumulates here in Seattle, she has been begging and pleading Dad, can we go outside and build a snowman? So finally, yesterday afternoon, I I gave in and I I said yes. So outside our condo building, we built a snowman. Now when I was growing up in in Minnesota, uh, oftentimes when the snow would fall, it would be that really, really wet, really sticky snow where you can start with a small little snowball and you can kind of just roll it and it picks up snow and it gets bigger and bigger well, the snow that we had, it, it, was, it was wet enough that it would kind of stick together, but it wasn't quite doing the whole snowball effect. And so what we had to do is we started with one small little snowball. And by handful by handful, we were able to make it bigger and bigger and bigger until finally it turned into the, the lower body of the snowman. And then we were able to take another little snowball and and set it on top of that. And then again, handful by handful, we were able to pack it together and accumulate the snow. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger. Bit by bit, handful by handful, we were able to take these tiny little pieces of snow and turn it into a snowman. I think you know perhaps what I'm trying to get at here. You may look at the gifts that you've been given. And you may think of those things and you might, you might be like, I don't know how this could ever actually make any difference in the church. I don't know how this could ever actually bring someone to come and, and know Jesus as their Savior. I'm not very comfortable with talking about that stuff. And I just don't feel like I'm good at it. I don't know how, how greeting people or handing out bulletins or, or setting out communion or, or anything that I've maybe volunteered to do in the church, I don't know how it makes any difference. And maybe by itself, the short answer would be it doesn't. But bit by bit, handful by handful, the church of God grows. And the gifts of God come together to accomplish what he has set out to create for himself. And that is a people that is set apart. A people that he calls his own body. A people that he has made to reflect his goodness and his mercy and his grace to the world around us, bit by bit, handful by handful. He takes those tiny, insignificant gifts that we have been given and he uses them to accomplish his purposes in the world. He uses them to build up something that he believes is beautiful. Something that by his own blood he has sanctified and made holy. Together, bit by bit, handful by handful, he is using our gifts. Gifts granted to us by the power of his spirit so that we might be built up into something wonderful, something magnificent. Bit by bit, he is using our gifts. To build up his church. Amen.